ended up being a very difficult name to spell and pronounce, which sometimes we we uh, wish we could go back time machine and <laughs> pick something slightly different. But you know, it's unique at the very least. Welcome to the Myth of Fingerprints, the podcast that explores music and the human stories behind the artists. I'm Jonah Luke, your host, and each week I bring you interviews and a song from each of our guests. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a rating and a review. And to check out all of the episodes of this podcast, head on over to jonahluke.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening and let's go. Hello, wonderful, wonderful people. Jonah Luke here. Today on the podcast, we have Turkowatz from Brooklyn. They're a nine-piece band, nine members. Can you believe that? Can you imagine touring with that? That's just like a party all the time. So they're a nine-piece band from Brooklyn. They're a funk army is how they describe themselves. So just a big party, and they're really great. And we're talking to Dave from the group who plays guitar and sings vocals. They're playing in Portland at the Waterfront Blues Fest, so I'm really excited to see them. And in this interview, you'll hear about how they started, their influences, and where they're going next. And you'll also get to listen to his song at the end. So stick around for that. If you go to jonahluke.com backslash podcast, you'll find past episodes that are awesome to check out, as well as links and more information from this episode. And now, here's the interview. Welcome back to The Myth of Fingerprints. I'm Jonah Gile Neufeld here in Portland, Oregon. And today I'm speaking with Dave from the band Turquoise, an awesome band that's coming to the Waterfront Blues Festival here in Portland this summer. How's it going, Dave? Going great. How are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. So where am I uh, reaching you today? Today we are in Knoxville, Tennessee, for our first time ever, actually. It'll be our Tennessee debut tonight. And you're playing a, playing a show? Yeah, playing a show at the International. Cool. So for people who don't know Turquoise, can you describe the band and the sound and how it all got started? Yeah, we, uh, we describe ourselves as a nine-piece power punk band. So, definitely rooted in funk, but with a lot of influence from elsewhere as well. It's sometimes been compared to a cross between Sly and the Family Stone and Talking Heads. Um, but most of all, it's just really upbeat, energetic uh, live show. And a bunch of us originally met uh, up at school in uh, Boston, Berkeley College of Music. Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple years later found ourselves down in New York and really got things going around 2012. Just said, you know, we got to take this on the road full time now. And so we've been doing that ever since then, um, pretty much nonstop. We've had maybe a couple weeks, you know, a few weeks off here and there, four weeks at most is like the longest break we've taken since then um, wow. in touring. So, so we've been, been keeping it going and getting better and writing more stuff and and you know, pretty much covering the whole country nowadays. As I said tonight, we're somewhere for the first time, but that happens less and less to us. We're starting to pretty much play at least once in each in each general area of the country. Yeah. So how how did the band name come about? Uh, like I said, a bunch of us, most 
Uh, five out of nine of us met up at school uh, in in Berkeley at College of Music in Boston, rather. And uh, you know, we we played a lot of different kinds of music, but whenever there'd be parties and we were just playing for fun, it was always funk. It was always dance music. And uh, some time went on. People had been in a bunch of different bands, but we really didn't have a band that represented the music that we tend to just revert to playing when it was up to us, when it was just for fun. So we put a project together, started writing some stuff. The bass player, Taylor, and I had a little home studio, and across the street was uh, this Turkish market where we would go to, you know, just get get food and soda and stuff from it. It was like the only other place we went. But so we, once we had our home studio, we really didn't leave. We were just writing and recording and mm-hmm. hanging out there pretty much all the time. So we, the market was actually called Turquoise, and we ended up naming it after that. That was sort of where the whole thing, the genesis of it took place. Um, oh. Ended up being a very difficult name to spell and pronounce, which sometimes we we uh, wish we could go back time machine and <laughs> it's something slightly different, but you know, it's unique at the very least. So yeah, for sure. Um, having no other turquoise fans out there, but yeah, so that's how it started. Uh, just writing our home studio and the intention of making a funk project. And again, you know, then a couple of years later, when we, we really put the band together full time and started hitting the road. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned it's a it's a nine piece band. What are the pros and cons of having a band that large? I imagine there's some things that are a little more difficult with so many people, but maybe there's a few things that are also more fun. Definitely. Well, yeah, just the more fun, just to kick it off. I mean, that's sort of one of the things. You know, it's it's a fun group of nine people who are all really close, tight knit. Kind of feels a lot like a family and. Mm-hmm. We do tend to have, you know, a lot of fun on the road. It, it never really gets boring. It always feels like a party, both on and off stage, for sure. <laughs> um, and in terms of personal interplay and dynamics, you know, it does give you a little bit more breathing room in some ways than being, you know, locked in a car with two other guys or something for two months. It's like, you know, that can probably get go a little a little stir crazy. I think with more people, it just kind of shakes up the, the vibe a little bit more. And, you know, you're, you can kind of gra- gravitate towards a different couple of people for a couple of days and hang out mm-hmm. with them. It's, it's just kind of interesting um, how it helps to smooth certain things that I think often come up as frustrating on the road or between members and things like that. It's actually, it's kind of healthy having more people in that sense. But, yeah, I mean, obvious cons are just expenses and set up. And, you know, now we travel with a full light rig. Um, so we're showing up at venues. between all the gear we have, the size of the production we're deciding to put on, uh, still at a, you know, pretty much pretty much indie level. We're showing up so many hours before, you know, between 2 and 4 p.m. every day. And sometimes we don't go on stage till 1 a.m. Um mm-hmm. So just hours and hours of set up time and a couple hours of tear down and load out at the end. Um, but again, I mean, it's, it's also a huge upside that we have such a big production and last, it lasts in people's minds, you know, a lot more even after the first time they see us. I think 
a little bit harder to forget in some ways. Right. Um, <laughs> just based, just based on the sheer size, it's not you know with the quality even, um, not, not even in the mix, just a spectacle. Just looking at the stage, it's harder to forget. And then you know, I like to think that we live up to that in terms of the quality of the music as well, which only adds to it. And and honestly, the the arrangements we do, the type of writing we do, what we're going for, it just wouldn't exist as a four piece band. So sort of made it easy for us never to look back and never to wonder, oh, maybe we should have done this with a smaller band or maybe we shouldn't have so many people. It's just, it's always been a little bit of a moot point for us because it just wouldn't be Turquoise without that style of band. Yeah. So I know you guys are playing shows and touring in support of a new uh, EP. What are you, if you could give kind of the highlights of the, the last week or two, what have you been up to? Well, we just came from uh, New Orleans. We were there for two days. Feels like it was a lot longer than two days, but so much happened. <laughs> but uh, we uh, we were there for two days for Jazz Fest. I think this was sort of the kickoff of of Jazz Fest. We were we were playing uh, some late night club shows each night, and just kind of hopping around town too. Some some of our guys were sitting in with some other people, and it was just really really fun. Um, you know, that's certainly a magical place and a pretty awesome time to be there during jazz. Yeah. That's just every, you know, it seems like every musician we know is there. So that was really cool. That was definitely a highlight. And uh, just around the exact time we released the EP, we played up, up north, uh, the northeast, over in Boston at the Paradise, which is just a few blocks away from where that house we used to live in actually mm. was a few blocks away from the turquoise market. And we sold out the paradise, which is a huge, you know, it's really, really awesome for us just because wow. we're a pretty iconic venue. Um, you know, a really large and iconic venue for us just for the time we did spend in Boston and to go back there to get booked there the first time and then sell it out was really, really awesome for us. Um, coinciding with the release of this EP. So that was really cool. And then the same thing happened the next night at Higher Ground in Burlington, which is also a venue we've been looking forward to, to playing for a long time. And that was another sold-out show. So those two in a row, upon the release of the EP, felt really good. Um, and on top of that, our friend Nate Worth, who's the percussionist from Snarky Puppy, played both of those shows with us, which was such an honor to have him there. And he really elevates the music so much whenever we get the chance to play with him. So <clears throat> it was solid, solid weekend for us overall. Yeah. So let's go back to your background uh, in in kind of history. How did you get started um, playing music? Let's see. I mean, honestly, as far back as I can remember, I was always writing, always had little ideas and, I'd always carry around a tape recorder, mm-hmm. which it was only, I guess, lyrically and vocally at first before I really attached anything to an instrument. Um, played piano for a while and eventually switched over to guitar. I think I, I was generally, as far as what I was listening to, still kind of whatever the normal pop stuff was and whatever was supposed to be popular at that time until I remember buying the White Album just because I thought it was cool that it was just white and said the Beatles yeah. on it. And I'd always, known, I'd always known who the Beatles were, and I heard my parents listening to it growing up. But 
I'm getting a little bit older, like sixth, seventh grade, that was the first album that I really dug into that was, you know, I think an artistically made record and done by a band that you could really, really just keep digging into and listening to all the albums over and over again. So that was a new experience for me, and I think that's what really got me fully, fully hooked on music and writing. And not only that, I may not have realized it for another year or two, but production, because that's another one of my big things. Is mm-hmm. To me, it's sort of like a big package, like music composition along with studio production, which is why it's funny that I'm now in a band that tours 200 days a year because I never really pictured that for myself. I'm, right. I, uh, I'm, an, I'm an audio engineer and producer, and I actually have a studio in Brooklyn called Galaxy Smith. Uh-huh. Where we did uh, where we did Stereo Chrome that EP, so that is my first love recording, and that's what I do every day. We're not on the road, but yeah, I think buying that album was a very big thing for me. And then, of course, I just bought every single Beatles record and listened to them a million times. And then Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, Stones. I kind of just went from there, and a lot. Of, so classic rock really ended up being sort of my true introduction, I think, to writing and and you know, the idea of even wanting to be in a band and work on make albums, you know, that was how I got into it. Mm-hmm. And then it was funny, as I got to the end of high school, I think I started to be more aware of the, how do I say it, the more, I mean, jazz oriented, but including some punk kind of things. Like, just noticing when I listen to Steely Dan versus listening to the Rolling Stones, like, oh, there's like some other stuff going on here. There's like other harmony and other things that don't come from the same world, you know, or come from a slightly different world. And I remember starting to be more interested in jazz theory and what that's about and how it can apply to rock music. And mm-hmm. and then in turn, um, you know, got really sold on the idea of going up to Berkeley College of Music. I was... I was not a very good student <laughs> in high school, mostly probably by choice. I just wasn't really very interested in it at a certain point. And I was largely considering not going to school at all, um, you know, after high school. And it was a, I ended up just learning a lot of cool things about that school and applied only to that school. So if they had not let me in, I was not going to go anywhere. But I did, uh, and I ended up going... And for no other reason than just the people I got to meet, the other musicians I got to meet, it was really cool. But it was also where I really got exposed to um, some more of the my funk repertoire, which now you know plays a huge role in what I do nowadays. Yeah. But I just remember, you know, so I started studying jazz theory because that's what they always. I mean, that that is what they teach there. You have to kind of seek out the teachers who will help you with some of the other areas of more funk confusion and things like that. There are some great mm-hmm. people there for that. But, but the, the course that they set out to teach is definitely based in, in jazz. Um, so but I got into, you know, Miles Davis and Herbie Hancock and all that stuff. And then finally started to get to the point where I was familiar with Herbie's, uh, you know, repertoire. Enough that I picked up the Headhunters album. And I remember that was one of the, things I put in first um, and that bass line and that drum drum groove come in and I was like, man, this is really, really cool. It was yeah. like 
nothing I'd ever really listened to before. And, you know, that track one chameleon came on. Um, and yeah, I just started getting into more and more of that stuff. I met our bass player, Taylor, who just was all about James Brown, Sly, as well as other stuff like Talking Heads and that I somehow kind of missed. There were some holes, I think, in my classic rock lineage and background that I filled in later on, too. And so that's sort of sort of how I got, got to where I am now. Interesting. I haven't really... <laughs> I haven't looked back too much at how it all came together. I'm glad you asked me that. Kind yeah. of you, like, retrace some of my steps there a little bit. Well, good, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So what... um. What does the band have planned for the rest of the year and maybe into the future? Um, we have a lot of great festivals this summer that we're really excited about. And uh, all over the country, actually. So we've got the Waterfront uh, Blues Festival out there. We'll be driving straight from High Sierra Festival in California the day oh. before. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and yeah, so uh, those are two that we're very excited about. And Summer camp and Catskill Chill, all good. Gathering the vibes. So, so many good ones this summer. And then we have a release of our full length record that we actually began working on before the EP oh. um, back, in, back in September. But this record, a lot, um, a lot has gone into the writing and the production of it. And it's really unlike anything we've done before. Um, it's been a really meticulous process, and we spent a lot of time on it. And actually, in the middle of making it, we decided, let's just go in and do an EP, um, go in and out studio in like three days and do something really raw and more old school feeling. So that's why the EP came out sooner. We, we went in and did it in a few days, whereas this full length we've been working on for a pretty long time at this point, since since September. It's not so bad, but we're, we're pretty much done with it now. We're the release will be uh, at the end of this coming September. So we're now just wrapping up, getting it mastered, and finalizing all our release plans. So that's definitely a big thing to look forward to. That album's going to be called Digitonium. Awesome. Cool. Well, we're looking forward to that. And we're going to hear a song now. It's called Getting a Little Closer. Do you want to say anything about it, Dave, before you listen to it? Um, no, it's, it's one of the ones I'm really excited about off the new EP. And it's actually one that surprisingly was written a really long time ago. And uh, even way back when I was talking about uh, up in Boston there, yeah. and uh, one, one of the first things we wrote, but we'd taken one crack at recording it before, but it really needed a much more old old school kind of treatment. Um, and this, this EP was done all on analog tape machine with cool. all gear that, I don't think any gear made uh, after 1970 was used for it and ended up being a really good approach to recording the song i think it sounds really cool so i'm excited about it awesome well dave thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me today thank you and
That's it for this episode of The Myth of Fingerprints. As always, I'm Jonah Luke. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. To continue the conversation, to learn more about the artists that you just heard, and to suggest an artist for the podcast, head on over to jonahluke.com slash podcast. If you're on iTunes, be sure to give us a rating and review as that helps immensely. You can also join the conversation on Twitter. I'm at Jonah Luke, and I would love to hear from you. See you next time. This has been a Freedom Podcasting production. For more information, go to freedompodcasting.com.